Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Welcome to Hey, Jeff, a podcast about Survivor for a week or so and other things. Danielle, hi. How are you? Good morning. Hi. Good afternoon. Good day to you, sir. <laughs> I am so excited. Brett texted me. He was like, finally, a good episode of Survivor. <laughs> and it actually was. I will say it was still confusing. I still found it very confusing. I did have that thought. I was like, oh, wow, stuff is going on. There's like some, you know, now that we have 18 down to six, now that there's like six players left, some actually good survivors happening now that we got rid of 12 riff ruffians. ruffians. And I did think this is a good episode. And also, Danielle's probably going to be confused. I was so confused. I like, and I was watching. I was like, oh, I have to, by the time the second like double cross is going on, I was like, oh, I should put my phone down for this because I really need to see what's going on and see if it makes sense to me when whoever gets voted out gets voted out. I unfortunately was spoiled by Mm. Twitter, Elon, Mm. (laughs) about who went home before people just I need to get back on my mute, my muted words. I got to mute. I got to mute words next week. Yeah. Because uh, everyone just tweets about things too much. Stop well, saying I think, what happened. Yeah, you have to mute because it's really on you. Sorry. It is on me, but I use Twitter for like nobody tweets about Survivor on my timeline really mm-hmm. ever. I'm yeah. very deep on like sports Twitter and like weird movie Twitter. And <laughs> <laughs> we will get to weird movie Twitter oh, later in the show. <laughs> but nobody really tweets about Survivor. And then all of a sudden it was just like a bunch of tweets in a row. Like Cody, yeah. RIP. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, so I sort of yeah. saw the double cross coming, how it was being put together, um, which I guess was helpful. Maybe, Daniel, I would recommend you go on Twitter at, 9.01 p.m. And then you watch Survivor. PST? No, thanks. <laughs> Nothing no, good going on. Oh, EST? Whenever Survivor oh, ends, you go on Twitter and be like, oh, this is what happened. And then you can sort of, it's like watching with the subtitles on. Yeah, that's what I should do. I should start putting on. There really is no website that very simply lays out. I have a big problem with the way recaps are written these days because everyone who writes a recap is like, I am a writer. It's like, you know how people love to complain about recipes? Like in order to get to the recipe, you have to like My grandmother long took this yes. recipe out yeah. of... <laughs> The, it's the same Northern thing for recaps. Cork, Ireland. What? It's the Sorry. exact same thing. <laughs> Whoever writes them for all these publications is just like, now's my chance to shine and show off what a writer I am. I don't need to know all your little plays on words, all your cute little references. Just tell me the facts. Go point by point how it happened. Make it clear to me, you know? But no one does Why that. is it like just very first person and was like, as I was getting my coffee and bagel today, I was thinking about what Cass would do if she won the, you know, or is well, it just I didn't like, even look or is for it this. just way too literary? In the past when I have looked, I didn't look this week because I don't, I, I just know already that they are, are all bad. They won't make okay. anything clearer for me. But it's usually like, it's usually like, yeah, let me tell you this story about my ex-girlfriend from high school who reminds me of Cass. And uh, then they did the challenge, which consisted of a huge ball. Like, remember that Family Guy episode? It's just like so many unimportant details that really don't have anything to do with Survivor, but have everything to do with the writer being like, I am a writer. That is, that's also not being a writer, by the way. Being a writer means like, you know, what stuff stinks and what stuff you got to delete. Yeah, it's more being a wrong tour. Anyway, (laughs) so this episode starts off. We have like R.I.P. Sammy um, because he just like we said last week, he's too young. He played too messy and they discover like, oh, he tried to pit me against you. Yeah. So it's basically just them all saying like we were right to vote off Sammy. Kind of. Except for there's kind of differing representations of truth they're sort of or yes you know i think this kind of came down to carla the carla and Cass relationship here yeah this whole episode owen said hey 
Carla is, is, was actually trying to get you out, Cass, and then Carla was the one who flipped relatively late in the game, to, late in the evening, to get to go out Sammy. But this was going on. Cass talks to Carla about it. Carla starts crying. She says this is her little telenovela. There's the telenovela sort of she Latin wants an Emmy for this music performance. Yeah. going on. And Cass buys it. You know, again, again, when you, dear listener, are on Survivor or on Big Brother, First of all, shout us out. The name of the show. Hey, Julie, we need yeah. it. We need it. Second, when someone, when you accuse someone of doing something and they double down on being upset and they cry, that is page one of the liar's handbook. I mean, I'm not calling. I mean, Carla was lying. I think Carla's great. Carla's one of the top characters yeah. on the show. I'm saying she's like lacking morals for doing it. Of course, go on Survivor. Lie your face off. That's what we want to see. But that is Number one, rule one, playbook one of the liar's playbook. And it was great. It was great. And I thought Cass was like totally buying it. And this was going to be the death knell for her. But this cast is messy. I I will say one thing I appreciate this cast, even though every week I talk about how much they suck, is they're very messy. They're messy bees who live for drama. (laughs) So, like, no secrets ever get kept with this cast. And then Jesse, or or cast, goes to talk to um, Jesse about it. And Jesse's like, like, oh, yeah, she's lying. She's lying as hell. She absolutely was This This episode was about a couple things. It was about Cass v. Carla. Only one will survive. It was about Jesse. Where is he <laughs> Narrator. been? Narrator. They both survived. <laughs> <laughs> but where's Jesse been? Clearly, Jesse is like Yago. He's just like whispering evil, sweet nothings yep. in the background. It's very political. What's his job? Political commentator? Political something. He's a whip. He's a house majority whip. Yeah, he's whipping those votes. <laughs> um, he's in the back doing the, you know, little devil on the shoulder work. And then everyone else just is sort of there. I mean, I, I know Cody was probably the last, no, Gabler is still there. I was going to say, Cody is the last of the like character characters that we have on this season. But Gabler is, now Gabler is in the Jesse role where this episode I was like, oh yeah, Gabler is still there. <laughs> Gabler is like the least interesting person at this point. Like, can, he, how is yeah, Gabler the normal one here? Yeah, of exactly. these remaining, remaining people. He's just in the background, like doing his thing, um, making little Korean War monuments and reenactments and stuff like that. I think. I mean, obviously, what what happens here is Jesse makes. This is the episode where Jesse makes the move to become the the king, the captain of the island, so to speak. Mm. We will return to this idea, <laughs> and I think part of the I forget where it was in this episode was, but. Basically, uh, Cody and and Jesse have, and I think I said this last week, they've been kind of been secretly politically moving the majority of the votes and, and really kind of doing a lot of the, the political behind-the-scenes stuff this season. And this was the episode where Jesse realizes, actually, crap, everyone is kind of perceiving this to be these to be Cody's moves and not mine. And he realized that is actually his closest ally was actually his biggest obstacle to winning the game, which, you know, I I actually kind of was like beginning to like Cody. I think at first I was like, man, this guy's not going to last. This guy's such a big character. I cannot see right. him lasting so long. And I actually, <laughs> he was kind of just beginning to grow on me. And I just liked yeah. him for the weirdo that he was. He was just so genuine. But so, you know, sad to see him go, whatever. There's only like one more week left. But I guess that was the big move was Jesse realizing that his biggest obstacle was actually his closest ally. Well, they call it out at council, like, um, our girl Noelle is like, Jesse did that. Like, oh, and yeah. he even stands up. He gives a firm handshake. He's like telegraphing to the jury. I did that. Like, don't forget Jesse's here. Don't be like Danielle and be like, who's Jesse? <laughs> when it's five people left. Jesse did that. Noelle so is still the star of the show because nobody, they don't give anybody lines <sighs> when they're on the jury. And Noelle was like, they gave her it's a like bunch. Tiffany. <laughs> When Tiffany was in the jury. Yeah, Joelle still gets to have the reaction cam. Um, There was a moment, this small moment, just to break away from the actual plot. 
good. Jeff goes, Crullers, croissant, muffins, <laughs> iced coffee, and iced tea. And oh my lord, Cody, <laughs> Cody got he he got the chemicals inside of his body. Yeah, I mean, so would I. Do you ever get that where you like have one too many cups of coffee and you're just like having conversations with people and you're just like, maybe oh, yeah. you think I'm on much more serious drugs right now, but I'm not. It's just coffee. It's it's the same as being drunk. It's like sometimes I'll do that and I'll have those interactions and I'll leave and I'll be like, oh shit, did I say too much? <laughs> like, did they? <laughs> did I reveal too much about myself and my heightened state of caffeine induced? friendliness and yeah. <laughs> like confidence. Um, yeah, that happens to me all the time. I try to stick to only two cups a day, hot in the morning, 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 like wake up morning and yeah. then cold 11 a.m. Wow. Even in, even in the blustery Canadian winter. Yeah. If it's, I mean, if it's so freezing, I'll do another hot, but usually okay. I like, a, I like to mix it up. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. I got a I got a iced coffee from Starbucks the other day in the afternoon. It was it hit the spot. That was terrible. Just, what time? It was late, but it was like it, I was tired. I was tired. I think it was like Monday. I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was Monday or Tuesday. But here's the thing: I work really late on Sunday nights, so I kind of need it. It was on Monday, and I work really. Yeah. I work till like midnight on Sunday nights, and then I'm back in the office, type type typing away at. 8.39 in the morning. So on sun, on Mondays, I need a little bit of an extra pick-me-up because of my weird work and sleep situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would just call it and go to bed at like 5 p.m. I have things to do still. I have still things to, I, it's still Monday. It's still Monday for the rest of the world. You have a case. You I'm have a saying, real case of the Mondays. I'm not saying I'm that. doing that at 4 p.m. on like a Thursday. This is a Monday only. Tri- and, I, and this is the first time this year that I needed that Monday pick me up. Come on. And this year's Give, almost over. So I know. I know. Yeah. Give me a break. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. So you weren't you aren't getting high the way Cody's getting high on the Java. Cody was also getting high on Cody. And if mm-hmm. I had not been aware that Cody was going home an hour before I watched the show, I still would have clocked this because this is the kiss of death on Survivor. <laughs> this is the kiss of death. This is the telegraph from the editing suite in Studio City. It is character giving the direct to camera middle of the episode being like i'm so confident right now i'm gonna win the game i'm more confident about anything right now this is the me show baby that is just that is a date with jeff's little octopus snifter or whatever the hell it is this year scary this year it wasn't just the coffee. It was the carbs, too. He was like, I had 3,000 calories worth of <laughs> carbs. So I'm ready to roll. And that's when I was like, oh, he might be in danger. Because when he had those carbs and then he didn't win the challenge, Cass won. Good for her. Comp queen. Silent. Silent. Comp beast. Also, okay, another thing on Cass that I noticed during um, the tribal. Do you, Did they ship her a box of hair dye? Because I swear she's blonder than she's ever been. Well, she's in the sun. She looks, she's in the sun in the ocean every day. She's doing yoga. She it looks so blonde. The hair has been genetic, like not genetically, has been modified. Everyone is like, I don't have enough calories to survive. Carla is trying to do the puzzle and her hands are cramping up because like oh my she's God. out of whatever chemicals you need to have your muscles work. That was her. And, and then Cass she's like is doing her yoga. Ankle. She's like doing yeah. yoga. It's like a it's like a ad for for perfume or something like that. It's, okay, that challenge. Even as Jeff was talking through, and you know they show the headless like crew members like that, visualizing it. Just what a great job! <laughs> what a great job <laughs> to be the sort of like gap ad <laughs> person who like gets to have a full meal and sleep in a bed and do the challenge do the like challenge, either three yeah. hours before or three hours later. I hated this challenge. Oh. As he was going through it, I was like, no, no. And it just kept getting worse. He was like, you're going to be strapped into this ball. No. You're going to, your teammates are going to be blindfolded. No. That was the, this the first the one. Ball. That was the first one. This is the easy one. 
Yeah. Well, this is the one I hated. Um, (laughs) The person in the ball has to direct the people. And it was a long, it was two football fields. They had to go while. Yeah. And then once they're there, no, you can't take the blindfold off. You have to complete a fucking puzzle. I hated this. This was so frustrating. Uh, It's so frustrating to even see described. The other one was nuts just because Carla is like, yeah. She's just getting beat up. She like twists her ankle really bad coming down the very first part of it. Her hands are cramping. She has this sick, disgusting smile on her face the entire time. <laughs> She's just casually talking to Jeff the entire because of this weird, we've clocked it many yeah, times. Really, yeah. She has this weird, like semi-sexual connection with Jeff <laughs> where she's like, Jeff, you know what I'm doing? It's just like my body's shutting down here and I'm still doing it. And like nobody's talking and she's just like having a very casual conversation with Jeff <laughs> the entire time. Freak behavior, but we love freaks on this show. Yes, we do. We support Carla. Um, so ca- cast this final challenge. This, this is not, yeah, the luxury challenge was the one I hated or the luxury, the carb challenge is what we should call it. By the way, they never show us the food anymore no they showed a croissant not really i have a i have a complaint here by the way okay what's the sanctuary the sanctuary is like a gazebo in the sand where's the hotel where's the spa retreat where's Applebee's. Where's Outback? Like, where's the branded sponsors? Where's the like actual luxury thing? Like, you know, yeah, luxury indoor seasons? location. Yeah, like they did the thing where like, oh, you're going to this like, you know, hotel or sort saying. of thing. You know, like that's what I'm saying. That's been like that. Maybe even last season too, where I'm like, they used to have, yes, the branded. Gorgeous food porn shots of food or of the luxury accommodation. <laughs> oh, a hamburger you would scoff <laughs> at paying $18 for at your local <laughs> Applebee's. You're like, I'm not going to fucking Applebee's tonight. You're crazy. <laughs> yeah, but they make it look good on the show because they're starving. We love Applebee's. But they used here. to have, yeah, they used to have that, that the, the Caraco blue drinks. Oh, yeah, the blue hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> they used to have all that. Even like the. Was the last episode or maybe the one before it was like the prize was like, you're going to go to the sanctuary where you're going to get a full night's rest on pillows, <laughs> sheets. But then it wasn't. There was no bed. It, it was, was like a hammock. Like, <laughs> yeah. So it's just strange. It's just strange. I'm, I think there's something else going on behind the scenes um, with this change in direction. Speaking of behind the scenes, speaking of CBS, speaking of food, speaking of people on substances that make them a little bit peppy, there was an ad this week for CBS's SWAT. Have you seen? <laughs> I have not I've, seen. I've not seen the show. I will I know say, it's David Boreanaz. <laughs> no, that's a SEAL team. Oh, sorry. Then I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's a Shamar Moore. Oh, you know Shamar Moore. I will say yes. this. When I did see... When I did go to a taping of Big Brother, a live taping, I think it was BB20, Rockstar got evicted. I was at that. I was in the, the audience for that. Yes. Shamar yes, Moore, yes. Like I, we're on the lot in the CBS lot in Studio City, and like Shamar Moore drives by, like in his like completely like decked out, amazingly. Golf like, cart? No, no. It's like, he's oh. like, it's like an SUV. It's like a Land Rover. Oh. It's like, it's oh. some sort of like, it's like a, it's like a Ford F 150, but it's like all black and rift. Like, it just like looks more expensive than a regular car. And he like rolls yeah. down his window and like smiles. At all of us normals mm, who are waiting. He's giving you a little taste. <laughs> yeah, this is taste. how we do it. And, oh, anyway, and if you want more, you got to watch SWAT. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. If you want Shamar more. Yeah. The ad for this show this week, <laughs> he's like picking up a box of like avocados and he's like, the avocados are actually cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> and then a car explodes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that should be on White Lotus season two. Oh my god! Yeah, we have one more episode left. I'm just saying, if you want to see some crazy stuff, I guess SWAT has it for you. I mean, we all have seen like that the clip of the Queen Latifah one where she's handcuffed, but her friend shoots the handcuffs right in the middle so that she's free. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's so many good moments on a CBS show. Okay, so can you? I can try, but can you explain the yes. pandemonium that goes down before tribal? It was actually brilliant. It was actually okay. brilliant. 
because Jesse, in addition to getting out one of the biggest competitors, he also significantly weakened one of the other biggest competitors in the game. Jesse has Cody's idol because they're all still like hiding their idols from each other because of the steal an idol thing, which I don't think anyone actually even has right now, but they're still afraid of it, that it exists. Right. Carla has an idol, which she was lying about and then she admitted to. The plan was, from Cody's perspective, that Cody and Carla would team up to bluff that they were going to use their idols in the uh, in the tribal, not use their idols and save their they can only use their idols next tribal. That's the last time they can use it. So it guarantees them moving ahead two rounds to final four from final six to final four. Uh, so they would do that, and I think they were going to vote out, like, Owen or something like that? Yes. Or, no, Because oh, no. that's oh. who Carla voted for. Oh, so, okay. That's, Carla was told that they were going to vote out Owen. Cody's idea was that they were actually going to vote out Carla? Yes. I think so. Okay. <laughs> Step one. Step two, what Jesse wanted to do and what Jesse did do was – because he knew Carla wasn't actually planning on using her idol and he knew, and he had Cody's idol. He wanted to get out Cody and he wanted Carla's idol to get used. So what he did was he was going to do a completely wacko thing, which is just give the idol to Owen, do something so out of left field that it would spook Carla into using her idol, which is exactly what happened. And also Cody would be unprotected, which is why there were ultimately three votes against Cody and Cody went home. Does that make right? any bit of sense. Yeah, it does make, it It completely makes sense. What I don't understand is how can you know, it's like he's freaking the amazing Kreskin. Like, how do you know how people are going to react under these certain situations? How do you know they're not planning a completely out of left field um, plan you, that will actually make you look like a fool? Like who? Like Owen and Gabler? Owen and Gabler yeah. are like, oh, <laughs> Owen is just here for the ride, man. Like, <sighs> Owen and Gabor have done nothing strategy-wise throughout the game. Like, Owen is always three steps behind everybody else and apologizing and feeling left out. Gabor's only move was showing up to, like, the big um, merged lunch and being like, I hate Ellie. She stinks <laughs> butts. <laughs> that was his, like, that's his only move. And then otherwise, he's just like, hey, guys, do you know I, I LARP as an army man on the weekends? Right. Mr. Army. Nobody, nobody's really playing at the level that Jesse is playing at. Carla is a little bit, but you know, she was in a different, difficult position. She's still seen as this in this pair with Cass. And then all of a sudden the other half of her pair is immune this week. So she has to kind of play on off her back foot a little bit. It was a great move in terms of getting out who he wanted to get out and then also weakening the person that he's that was still in the game you know like i would imagine yeah. jesse wants to get out carla this week and carla doesn't have protection anymore we'll see what happens it's always crazy and weird but yeah because remember they wanted to get Cass out last time uh maybe not last week but they wanted to get her out and she won immunity yeah she keeps winning immunity in clutch moments carla could do that too I'm just really happy that Carla and Cass are both still on the show. I like having these two ladies like still in the mix and they used to be friends and now they're enemies. I just, I, I like that storyline. Yeah, no, it's, it's really good and interesting. Everybody has, everybody kind of has their own right to win the game. Cassidy and Owen sort of, I wouldn't call, I, I guess my, my thing with Cassidy and Owen is like, have you ever been, a part of like why anybody goes home. Have you ever been a part of like the political maneuvering of this game, the strategizing part of this game? Or and even if you, if you haven't, can you make it seem like you have? Or yeah, that your strategy was so much better. And maybe I'm forgetting stuff that happened yeah. like in the pre-merge part of the game. I just don't really see it with them. They've won competitions. They've lied low when they need to lie low, which is a part of the game. I just haven't seen them make moves 
that much. Jesse and Carla, I have seen that. Gabler, I don't know. He maybe he's just because he's like a semi-serious older man. He seems like maybe he's done more, but maybe he just hasn't as well. So, uh, yeah, you know, his I, claim to fame is getting Ellie out. <laughs> I feel like if Jesse and Car- Jesse or Carla get to final three, absent of each other, they will win the game. Um, I guess the most like kind of. I don't know, shrug your shoulders, sort of final three would be Cass, Gabler, and Owen. And we're like, yeah, actually all three kind of have an equal shot to win this game. Mm -hmm. Those are all more like survivor style games and that survivor by like literally just like clinging onto the side of the ship for three hours survivor. Whereas Jesse and Carlo sort of more in the outwit, outplay camp. Yeah. And so is next week like the two hour finale? I am. Or there's one. Yeah. Yeah. Next week is the final episode. There's going to be three tribals. There's going to be getting from five to four, getting from four to three, and then jury. Then the jury one as well. So I I would imagine. And then there's probably an after show as well, or at least that's what it says here on survivor.fandom.com slash wiki slash survivor underscore 43. Which, by the way, breaks my computer whenever I try to load it. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Why does it do that? Um, Well, it was, I will give Brett credit. It was definitely a better episode this season. I was happy to have watched it. Yeah, it was good. I mean, hey, it's about time. There's only one episode left. It is about time. I know. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, like I said to you, it's because I at least know who all these people are now. Even though people I momentarily forget, once I see them, I'm like, oh, yeah, you. Oh, yeah, I know you. (laughs) Like Jesse. Um, Geo. But, yeah, Geo. Oh, man. (laughs) Dwight. (laughs) There was a part last week or two weeks ago (laughs) when someone was talking about Justine working with Noel and I'm like, you mean Janine? <laughs> no, there was actually someone named Justine on this season. Was there? She was the second person voted out. The pretty, really the pretty, pretty girl, girl from Marina Del Rey, yes. California. The sales nine zero two nine two. What's up? Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I like her. Listen, it's a long season. Um, should we discuss something else? We should discuss something else. That was fun. Let's discuss a movie we've both watched. Yeah. Do you want to intro it? Do you want me to? Yeah. So yesterday I texted Brett, uh, get ready for a triangle of podness because I rented a triangle of sadness. And it is a long movie. It is two two hours and 30 minutes. Yeah. It's fucking long. This isn't Confess Um, Fletch, which is like a solid 92 (laughs) and very charming throughout. But this is a movie, if you are a faithful listening, you'll know we were both very excited for this film. It's Ruben Ustland, um, a Swedish filmmaker who also did Force Majeure. Um, he and he I did some other movies. I might say he is. Hmm? Nor- yeah, he is Swedish. Sorry. I thought I, thought, I apologize. I'm wow. sorry. White wow. Man. He has White he, man. He, even, he even has one of those little circles over one of the well, letters I thought he was of his like name. Norwegian or something like that. I don't know. These countries are all the same. Um, but so he this is his newest film. It was at TIFF, and it's like it skewers the rich. So obviously I wanted to see it. Yeah. I mean, if you his two biggest movies uh to date have been Force Majeure, which is like a kind of a culty little movie that was adapted into that skiing movie with Will Ferrell and Julia Julia Louis-Dreyfus. The first movie is about skiing, too. It's lots of skiing (laughs) in both movies. (laughs) But it was made into a much more American-style comedy than this one was. And then The Square, which has a bunch of people in it, including Peggy Olsen. I never saw that one. The Square is really good. Yeah. But I made it a point because I was like, this guy is a hot up-and-coming director. He makes films for true artists that are, like, interesting. They're different, you know? And I like that. So I want to support that. So I rented it. I thought this movie was okay. 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 I just thought it was really too much. It was a hat on a hat. There was way too much diarrhea and vomiting for me. (laughs) There is a solid 20... 
warning. I don't think we want, I don't want to spoil this movie too much because I think it's yeah, new. People it have the opportunity. It just came out on streaming or whatever. I rented it on Apple last night. Um, but this is in the trailer, the diarrhea and vomiting. Yeah, the, not the diarrhea. <laughs> vomiting is definitely in the trailer. Uh, there is definitely a truly insane 30 minute sequence of this film that has just the most diarrhea and vomit like you've ever seen. And it's just like enough already. And I think that might be the point. But it is so gross. Did you see Force Majeure? I did. I did. Yeah. But it didn't stick with me that much, honestly. I really I, liked I, it. I think the. I here's the thing. I think the one-liner about that movie and this movie are like instantly make me want to see the movie. Where Force Majeure, it's like a father, instead of saving his family from an avalanche, runs past them and saves itself, but then it turns out it wasn't an avalanche, and now he has to deal with the repercussions. That's why slightly annoyed him the rest of the vacation. Yeah, that's like a fabulous idea for a movie. This one, a bunch of rich people are on a boat, on a luxury yacht, and like things start to go wrong. That also... um, you want to see that movie. I watched Below Deck, right? Which is the reality show version oh, of that yeah. movie. <laughs> but then I think, I don't know, in practice, because same for Force Majeure, I found it kind of forgettable. Like, this movie just underwhelmed. I thought the best part was the last 30 minutes. And I was just like, it took too long to get here and too much, like, not that interesting to get here. So the this, this square, I'm going to bring up the square a little bit. Uh, I think that's on... It's on one of the streaming services for free, for sure. Uh, that's a really interesting movie. Um, I can't even tell you what it's about. It's about like a, <laughs> a guy who runs a museum. It's about art. It's about what art means. It's about what is art. It's also there's also what a, is art? Of, um, it's also about like what uh, like philanthropy is about. What giving to people is about. What helping people is about. What that means in its relation to art. It's a really interesting movie. These movies are also, by the way, really funny, really like uncomfortably funny. Um, yeah, uncomfortable for sure. Force Majeure and The Square are incredibly subtle films that throw themes out there and you kind of have to wrestle with them. And you're not even really sure what he's saying about these themes, but they're he's playing with them. He's mixing them up on his little his little color palette board where his thumb sticks out and he mixes the yeah. colors together. This movie is about as subtle as a fucking Banksy painting. It's that's like, saying. it's that's what it made me think about. It. I was like, this movie, it's about capitalism. It's about <laughs> men versus women and gender roles. They literally say this a lot. There are large swaths of this movie where people are just reading out quotes about capitalism. Yeah, from like Lenin and Marx. <laughs> just like pretty reading from a book, just saying them. Yeah. <laughs> this movie has no subtlety at all, which I guess is kind of the point. I I don't know. I I went into this movie with when I heard about this movie and I saw the trailer, I was like, whoa, this movie looks wild. And then I know a lot of people who've seen it, a lot of people in my friend group. And I've read kind of some of the reviews and they're like, yeah, this movie is about as subtle as a shotgun to the face. Yeah. And so my expectations went down a lot for it. I was like, oh, I don't know. I was I was going to see this movie in the theaters. And I was like, you know what? I'll just wait till I can rent it. You texted me yesterday. I rented it last night. I actually like this movie a whole lot more than I thought <laughs> I was going to. I'm not. Yeah. I guess I'm not upset that it wasn't subtle. There was a lot of point. Again. 30 minutes of, like, diarrhea and, like, quotes about socialism versus capitalism happens in yeah. this movie. It's – this movie's nuts. Um, I guess I just – I kind of just was there for the ride, and I guess I was there like, okay, I guess that's the point of this movie is that it's, like, super over your head about the themes. I think one of the low-key funniest things about this movie is not something that happens in the film at all. It's the fact that this movie won the fucking Palm Door, which is the grand <laughs> prize at Cannes, Cannes right? Yeah. And it's like, this movie is so fucking obvious about what it's trying to do. I've never seen... Uh, this This guy's other films are really a lot more subtle in, in their themes and stuff like this. And 
I don't think they've won the Palm d'Or or whatever. And then this right. one that's so clearly like rich people are bad. Capitalism mm-hmm. bad. Mega yachts are bad. That's the one that all the rich people in the tuxedos doing the 12 minute standing ovations for. That's the one that yeah. they're like, oh, yes, this is the grand prize. This is no the grand prize. Like, exactly. Yeah. I think that's like actually low key one of the funniest things about this movie is that it, lacks, <laughs> it, it is so devoid of subtlety in the way that like Crash, remember Crash with Matt Dillon and mm, oh, that yeah. movie was devoid of subtlety at all. I'm like, this is the best picture. This is racism. the best picture. That, Pat ourselves yeah. on the back. We solved racism yeah. here in 2004 when we gave Crash. An Oscar. Mm. Uh, so, but this movie was wild. I was not aware of the turns it takes in the last 45 minutes of the film. I did not aware of that at all. I I also want to shout out R.I.P. The the woman who plays the lead in this movie, Charles yeah. B. Dean. This is kind of like a story this summer. Young actress. She's like, I she was like maybe 31 or 32. She's really good in this movie, and she just died randomly. She had like a mystery illness and just passed away very unexpectedly over the summer before the movie came out. And it was just, it was just sad because this is she actually has a really really good performance you think it's one thing at the 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 top ostensibly the two main characters are these beautiful models who you know do like fashion runways and stuff and you kind of think when you see these characters at the beginning like oh they're just these like vapid models and stuff but there's actually quite a bit of depth to these roles and she was a really it was a really great performance and it's just really sad that she passed away this summer yeah, it's like this is the performance that would have propelled her into being the next Bond girl. Or you know, like, like Margot Robbie you know, or something like yeah, that, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can see like true star quality. She's awesome. Her, the guy who plays the other model is also really good. And you know, I love me a fat Russian. <laughs> so oh I my God, this guy, the Russian. guy who plays the fat Russian. I was like, can I be this guy for Halloween? <laughs> oh my I God. I love a rotund Russian oligarch in a movie. Like, have you ever saw, I think it 2012, it was John Cusack. There's like a really good Russian oligarch in that the, one too. I skipped that one. Me and, me and right, Roly. Well, me and Roly. Are not on the same page anymore. <laughs> Seeking terms. Well, but what Brett's saying, the last 45 minutes are what I thought this movie would be more like. Or the opening scene, which is in the trailer so I can talk about it. The opening scene is the lead male model at a casting. And there's some, like, talk documentarian guy there. Or he's like, like a social... I don't know. I felt like he was doing something for, like, you know... Like Broadway.com, like some stupid oh, okay. website, like just yeah. doing like, we need to make a social video today that put on our, our Facebook or yeah. our Instagram or something He's like that. He's just like this very fu- like silly character going like, going and interviewing all the models and sort of hitting on them. And he's like, now show me your... Like the if you're cast in a rich person's ad, you're gonna be very serious. But if you're in a poor person's ad, like H and M, you're gonna be laughing at your customer, laughing at how poor and pathetic they are. And like I thought that scene was really funny and really well done and interesting. And I was like looking for more of that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, it was funny. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's like the first thing that happens in the movie, and I think it's the first thing in the trailer as as well. It's, uh, yeah, that's that scene was great. I was just laughing my ass off throughout this movie at various things. Like, there's stuff that happened in this movie that I'm like, I don't even know if this was intended for comedy, but I'm just like. <laughs> This is what I this is the kind of humor is what I think is funny. Really uncomfortable, really, really confronting ideas about rich versus poor, about beauty versus non-beauty, about young versus old. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, really, really uncomfortable ideas and with a very disturbing fluorescent light pointed at them. Like, that's what I find funny. Sorry, I'm not watching like Bob Hart's Abishola or whatever. Like, you know, it's just, that's just not for me. Like, I don't want to watch The Office. Like, I don't find that funny. This stuff is yeah. like, makes me kind of squeal with glee because it's just so Giggle. uncomfortable and it's so confronting. So I, I, I really liked it. I don't know if I'm going to watch it again. Like, I literally had to put the blanket over my eyes during some of the um, vomiting scenes because yeah. I was like, I felt myself getting a little bit there. It's gross. Um, but at the same time, some of the imagery of just like the shit that happens, literal shit that happens in this <laughs> scene is 
crazy. And the sound design of this movie is... Oh, and the visuals. I mean, it was like, you are on the boat. (laughs) You are on that boat. But just like other (laughs) things, too. there's There's a scene very early in the movie where two of the characters are in an Uber ride and they're having a bit of a... They're having a bit of a, a bit of a yeah tiff after dinner about something that happened at dinner, and it's raining, and the fucking sound of the wiper blade on the rear window of the Uber, it's just and it's just like scraping <laughs> against the side of the back of the window. There's that, and then the, the the fight continues, and they're they're having this little argument about dinner and in an elevator, and the the elevator door keeps closing, and they keep wanting to hold the elevator open because they're stuck, so mad about this fight, and just the sound of the elevator door, the sound of flies buzzing. They're sitting there on the the deck of the the boat and there's a fly buzzing around one of them. There's just all these little audio cues that are really there to like make you feel a little bit uncomfortable, put you on edge. <laughs> well, I guess what I'm saying is like probably not very appetizing to a lot of people, but to a certain kind of film goer who likes stuff that's really kind of thoughtful and composed that way, it, it, it was... I really enjoyed it. Not the best movie of the year. Like, but no. I, I, mean, I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah, here's what I'll say. This all being said about I found it underwhelming. The next time this guy makes a movie, I'll see that too. Yeah. Like, I, 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 my point remains that he makes stuff that's interesting, that's different, that's unique. And I want to support that. Even if it's not what I wanted it to be, it was still a piece of art. That I'm happy to watch. Yeah, uh, I I'm glad you t- I'm glad you texted me about it because I was kind of putting it off because I'd heard all the complaints about the film was that it was just like way too obvious about its themes and what it was trying to do and I was like oh that's not that's not what I come to this guy for because I felt like he was so subtle in his previous films but um, I'm glad I watched it. Other yeah. than almost vomiting on my couch at like 10 p.m. last night. It really is so long and so graphic. It's so <laughs> gross. All right. Just, you know, have have a glass of ginger ale with you as you watch this film. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. Another thing that I watched this week that Brett did not is the new It's Making Waves here and across the pond. The new Netflix series, Harry and Meghan. <laughs> <laughs> Which... Is Talk about some fine. people who need to get put on a boat and just like fed <laughs> until they vomit. Here's the thing. I don't really care. Like people really hate them. What this show coming out has shown me is that people fucking hate these two. They are so if you watch them for five minutes, they are so innocuous and boring. Like they're the least controversial per- people. It's probably just because of oversaturation, I guess, at this point. Although I'm sure the British hate them for their own, like, racist British reasons. Um, But I just, like, I'm into the story. I think it's very fun. Anything that makes British people really mad, I love (laughs) watching. Um, So I I will say I enjoyed it. It didn't give anything new on their relationship or on British monarchy. I was surprised that they did weave in a lot about, like, colonialism and um, how absurd it is to have a royal family in 2022 to believe that this family was like anointed by God to serve Britain is a little preposterous. And I'm surprised they included that. But overall, if you hate them, you're not going to watch it. You're never going to like it. If like me, you find them compelling, you're going to enjoy it. And that's all I have to say. I, I don't know what I can add to that. Like I just there's a lot of good dogs. Let okay, me just say, okay, Megan is a dog lover. Okay. There's a lot of great dog footage. <laughs> I I don't dislike Harry and Megan because I like the other ones. I, you know, <laughs> like right. there's not an I, there's not like a you're not team royals. <laughs> I'm not team. What's their, what's his face? Tim, <laughs> Chris, <laughs> William, William. I know his short. Oh my Will. god. <laughs> Tim. <laughs> Tim. I don't know why Tim was in Because there's the eyes. King Tim. Tim, yeah. Um, I'm not like Team Tim. I'm not Team William on this. <laughs> I just don't get it. Like, I don't get the... Like, if anything, William and Kate seem more detestable than these ones, right? Because they at least yeah. are... They're, they're the perfect little white couple. They're playing they're little into white, it. Yeah. yeah, and like she's just like, you know, I don't know. They, she looks like the soccer mom next door who's like, you know, I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like any yeah. of them. You're putting I, your foot down. I just like, I really, I don't care about, I really don't care about any sort of 
like look how amazing these rich people are sort of things. I don't watch I mean, reality don't TV other than the two shows we talk about on this podcast. <laughs> like I watch competition. I watch two competition reality TV shows, big brother survivor. That's it. I otherwise, oh, great British bake off. Otherwise I don't, I don't watch anything else. I'm not interested in watching anything reality. That's just like, let's follow this family around. That's like, yeah, terrible to me. And it's just like, Honestly, I'm sick of all. Like, what do they do? They just get paid billions of dollars to make one season of a podcast. I'm making podcasts all the time. Where's <laughs> my billion? Right? <laughs> yeah. They, Harry and Megan made this like deal with like exclusive deal with Spotify for like $20 million. And, Sp- and like a year later, Spotify was like, have you guys thought about making it yet? <laughs> and they were like, yeah, I don't know, thinking about it. And then, like, they then finally, love- like, farted out four episodes and called it a season. And I got paid $20 million for, I don't I don't think 20 was the actual number, but something more than any, everyone here has made together, including Spicy Marco yes. v. BB, right? So, like, <laughs> I mean, you know, where's my 20 mil? I can make a better sure, podcast. Sure, sure. sure. I, but that... Yeah. But like rich people getting paid to do nothing isn't new. I'm, I'm not saying we shouldn't be annoyed by it. Put them on the I'm boat. I'm just like. Put them on put the them, okay, boat. Okay, put them on the boat. Put them on the Triangle of Sadness boat. Where they might end up shipwrecked, which brings me to a little movie I've been dying to talk about for weeks oh now. Oh my gosh. Benji. So. <laughs> Were you aware of Benji before I brought him up? No, I've never heard of this movie. And so you brought it up like a month ago on this podcast. We have not had time to talk about this movie. Here we go. Today's everyone's lucky day. Danielle so showed up four movie- minutes to the early to the podcast recording today. She's like, we're yeah, getting like, Benji we gotta, in today. <laughs> gotta make sure we get Benji into this podcast. So this movie is available to watch on Disney+. Plus. And I just want everyone to know, Disney Plus has a great selection of, like, <laughs> dog hero movies. <laughs> and I've watched several of them. Is this SpawnCon? Are we getting paid? <laughs> I just, like, when I, you know, when We're there's not, nothing to watch, when nothing sounds good, for some reason, I love watching a movie about a dog being a hero. So, like, and a live action dog, not, hopefully not a CGI or cartoon dog. So then when I saw the... Benji the Hunted, like, poster on Disney+. Plus. I was like, we must watch this. This movie is from 1987. It's 88 minutes long. It's the perfect length of a film. And it's actually a sequel to the original Benji, which was not a Disney movie. But Disney was like, oh, a movie about a dog. Let's do the sequel. I am on director Joe (laughs) Camp's IMDb page. There are so many Benji movies that this guy is affiliated with. (laughs) <laughs> he okay. wrote and directed Benji 1974 1977 yeah, long time before. for the love of Benji <laughs> 1978 Benji's very own Christmas story <laughs> Benji is the cutest 1981 <laughs> Benji <laughs> takes a dive at Marineland <laughs> this dog is so cute because he's scruffy. He's not like a picture-perfect golden retriever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you see in movies yeah, it's and always films a lab. these days. It's always a lab or a golden, yeah. Yeah, lab or golden. That's like, this is what beauty used to look like in dogs, okay? This, yeah, this is the <laughs> 70s, man. This is people with armpit hair. It's shaggy hair. I just want to read this review from Letterboxd, okay? Oh, my gosh. Roger Ebert was right to perform a Mortal Kombat-style fatality on Gene Siskel over this movie. I'm Benji-pilled. That's how I felt watching this movie. So, like, this is a live-action film with all real animals. And I'm just choosing to believe that these animals lived a great life and were not abused. I don't think they were. They seemed happy to me. This is the 70s and 80s, though. This is way different. I'm sure they just blew cigarette smoke in this dog's face for (laughs) three months. (laughs) Let me tell you. Let me tell you the plot of this movie. So this movie opens. Benji is a star. Okay. It's a meta commentary where they're like, and movie star Benji, hot off the success of For the Love of Benji, is, is on a boat, like traveling somewhere with his trainer. But then there's a shipwreck and Benji ends up on this freaking jungle island. 
where he's alone and he's a movie star. He's an actor dog, okay? He's not used to surviving in the wilderness. Most dogs are. Yeah, but he he's such a good dog that he finds a way and he stumbles across this litter of cougar cubs who've been abandoned by their mother. And Benji's like, oh, no, 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 no. You're not going to be a deadbeat mom on my watch. I'm going to get these cubs back to the mama. So the whole movie is Benji trying to get these cubs reunited with their mom, who just keeps like giving them the slip. (laughs) I don't know if she means to or not, but there's just so many incredible, incredible shots and scenes of Benji in the wilderness like carrying these cubs in his mouth and then finding a bunny who he's like, oh, I'm so hungry. You, you know, they do a close-up eventually, like licking his lips. <laughs> he's so hungry. He's used to eating movie star catering. And then right when he gets close to the bunny to get him to feed him to the cubs, he instead gives him a little kiss and is like, go on, get out of here. <laughs> like he is such a sweet dog. And so he doesn't have to uh, like resort to becoming a murderer dog. Um, it's just beautiful. It's a beautiful film. The dog animal acting is incredible. The cougar. There's at one point a wolf that Benji has to keep away from the little cubs. The cubs are so cute. I went and watched the ro- the e- Ebert and <laughs> Jean and Ebert review of this after reading that review. And they loved it. And they, Even I quote, Cisco? say there are some... Yeah, they both loved I it. Sounds like it sounds like Cisco hated it, and Ebert. Well, he wasn't admitting that it was as good as it was, and and um, he was like middle and, and not. He was like, yeah, it was good for the that. kids, but not for me. I'm, yeah, exactly. I'm Gene Cisco. And I guess in this episode, I didn't watch the whole one. This is the one where he, also Ebert famously gives like Full Metal Jacket a thumbs down, <laughs> but he gives Benji the hundred a thumbs up. <laughs> that show was wild. <laughs> <laughs> but so it is just so beautiful. If you need to watch a movie about a dog, a hero dog, this dog is so much better than any other person you've ever met. You need to watch Benji the Hunted. Joe Camp also wrote there's more Benji movies. <laughs> there's a Benji TV show. 13 episodes, 1983. Benji, Zach's, and the Alien Prince. Mm-hmm. And then there's newer I mean, movies from this millennium. Benji I will off not watch the leash those. and no. Benji. We're back. We're all the way back to a full reboot of Benji. Because I feel like they CGI the dog and I don't want to see that. This oh, scruffy this is ass on Netflix. dog this was on is Netflix. so cute. Wow. So I'm just saying, you know, if you have Disney Plus, it's worth a watch. Danielle, I have yes, a surprise topic for you. Oh, yeah. What is it? Okay, I need your opinion on something because I think you actually oh. have your 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 pulse on this issue. Oh, I'm sure I do. Danielle, the Hallmark style holiday movie has run amok here in our year of 2022. Do you know what I'm talking about? Just like the glut of them, like how many of them there are. So this, I thought this was just like a Hallmark thing. And like maybe if CBS like didn't have like a weird country music thing, like to hand out awards to like on a Sunday, maybe they would have one of these. I think like three or four years ago, a bunch of executives all looked around at the landscape, the media landscape. And they're like, people love these fucking movies. We're like, a city girl goes back home to her father's <laughs> ranch on Montana and she's a magazine yeah. editor. And there's the yes. nice guy who's like, I'm the stable <laughs> boy or whatever. And they kind of don't get along at first and then they fall in love on Christmas. And all yeah. these movies are exactly the same, right? Yeah. I don't know what it is, but now every service, every service, I th- this was like a Hallmark thing. They're called Hallmark movies because they're on the Hallmark channel. Yeah. Now, every channel, every streaming service is like, yo, we got eight of these and they're brand new. And Lacey Chabert is in all of them. Or if you're Netflix, you're putting in like real talent like Lindsay Lohan. um, And this is her comeback vehicle. So I watch TV a lot. (laughs) I watch like linear television a lot. And it's sick. And it's like Paramount Plus, Netflix, HBO, CBS, Peacock, they are all like Nickelodeon. They all have like one or two brand new, like how I fell in love at Christmas movies. And I'm like, I, 
I knew they were out there, but I didn't know that they were being produced for every single major streaming service now. Um, I thought it was just kind of like a niche, a niche thing and like your grandma watched it or whatever. It's a cottage it's, industry. There's too, there's too many of them now. There's too many of them now. There's way too many. I was talking about this with another friend where like, you know, it's December, so I want to watch Christmas I'm movies. Sure you love I want to watch, <laughs> watch normal Christmas movies. Yeah. So I searched just the word Christmas in <laughs> my Apple TV, and this is all that shows up. But I've tried. My husband and I tried watching one called Homeless for the Holidays. Homeless? <laughs> yes. And let me tell you, we started watching this movie last year. <laughs> and we couldn't get through it because it was so bad. But this year we were like, let's put it back on and see what happened. <laughs> and then we could, we stopped it and we were like, all right, we'll finish this next year. Because it's also like two hours long. But um, they're all that. They're all the same. It's just so, um, there's no defining feature of any of them, which is, I think, is a selling point for a lot of people. They're like, oh, great. I don't have to pay attention. It's very monotone. It's just the colors, red and green and gold, are going to be there. There's, There's one with Bobby Flay. There's one with Bobby Flay, and they're like, I don't know, that, like uh, he's like the nice restaurateur in their yes. wintry mountain town. There was one my friend was telling me it was like this: <laughs> the city girl goes back to her hometown. Her high school boyfriend works in the bank, and then they get stuck in the vault, and it's <laughs> like Christmas in the vault. <laughs> So there's anything you want. There is a Hallmark movie Christmas film of it. It's sort of like, you know, the, that rule of the Internet. If it, exi if it exists, there's a porn version of it. If it exists, there's a Hallmark Christmas movie version of it. Um, but I actually don't really like them that much because oh, wow. I want to watch. I just want to watch movies <laughs> that are normal but happen to be at Christmas time. Okay. Benji's or very classics. own Christmas story was released in 1978. I, yeah, I would watch that. Sure. We did get, is, is there anything else you want to say on that subject? No, I'm glad, I'm glad that you could fill me in on this. I, I thought it was an important I agree. topic. This well, it's just because they're so cheap to make because it's like the exact same formula. I'm sure they take the same script template and just change like she's a magazine editor to she's a fashion stylist yeah. or whatever it is. And then instead of him being a ranch hand, he's a bakery owner <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Like it's so easy. No stars. They have no budget for um pretty much any fake snow. Cause let me tell you, they try to make California or wherever the hell look like it's snowing. It does not. And it's just easy to do and it's probably makes enough money to do whatever they need to keep the lights on. We did get one very specific question that I'd like to bring I up. I love it. I haven't seen it. From Minnie Cthulhu. I haven't been on Twitter much, so I missed the call for questions. But for next week, have you seen my cousin Vinny? And what are your thoughts? I plan on watching it soon, since I just found out it's on HBO. And I know it got Marissa Tomei her Oscar. It got Marissa Tomei her first Oscar. Um, did she have other? This, did she have a second? Yeah, didn't she win for In the Bedroom? I don't know. Let me, let me have I think she did. It was like her, everyone was like, oh, I guess we should stop making fun of her. She's actually a really good actress, um, which I could have told you after my cousin Vinny. People, this is, I've gone One this round Oscar before. Oscar win. Well, she was nominated then. She was definitely oh, nominated. she got lots of nominations. Tell you that. It's so much harder to do comedy than it is to do drama. And Marissa Tomei is proof of that. Also nominated, in the bedroom, also nominated for The Wrestler. Mm -hmm, Ram Jam. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This, My Cousin Vinny is one of the best movies of all time. I know you you love this movie. I love it. Have you not seen oh, it? Oh, I've seen it. I've actually only okay. seen it once. I don't remember like really anything that happens in it other than at the end of the movie, I was like, this movie's great. Oh my gosh. Because of her. Because of her last moments on the stand. And Pesci. This, yeah, Pesci's great. This movie has everything I like. Italians. Law, the court, an old fuddy-duddy judge, a young hot vixen who just wants to get married already. Like it has everything I like. Um, it's so good. If you haven't seen it, it sounds like it's on HBO. It's about a New York lawyer in like the deep south having to defend his cousin from going to jail because they're wrongfully accused of um, I forget what the crime is even. Oh, but but it's it's just great. It's you know, little big. Big fish in a little pond, uh, fish out of water, Joe Pesci with Marissa Tomei as a love interest. I mean, it's so good. 
this movie is really fantastic. Just like they don't make them like this anymore. There needs to be they more don't. court movies. <laughs> Why are there more court Not movies? Written. You know, Aaron Sorkin watched this and was like, I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so good. Yeah, it's Fred Gwynn. That's the name of the judge, the actor who plays a judge. He's so good. Oh, yeah, he played. He's like the monster. It looks like, yeah. Yeah, he is a fabulous character actor. He was also in um, Animal Animal Pet Cemetery. Uh, <laughs> animal, uh, yeah, animal burial place. <laughs> <laughs> Thank animal you all crematorium. for your questions, comments. I know we only got one this week, but we are recording a day earlier than usual. And um, you can always send us questions or comments at any point at HeyJulieBB on Twitter or HeyJulieBigBrother at gmail.com. Yeah, that's it. This was a, this was a fun episode. I'd, I'd recommend checking out any of the things that we mentioned today. Absolutely, Benji the Hunted. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back next week. There's a Survivor finale. I'm sure it's going to be eight hours long. Um, I'm traveling next week, so I'm not really sure when we're going to get to record it. But we'll record it eventually, even if it's like a week. We always do this, right? Where it's like the Big yeah, Brother the finale holidays. or the Survivor finale always falls on a week where like one of us is out of town, and we're like, "Yeah, yeah, well, yeah this is the Big Brother podcast. Oh, uh, yeah, the finale happened <laughs> nine days ago. <laughs> Listen to our pod. <laughs> we're busy. We have other things yeah. to do. <laughs> well, this was a lot of fun, Danielle. Uh, yes. I, listeners we love you we miss you and uh yeah we'll we'll see you next week after the survivor finale goodbye jeff bye jeff